Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison, a uh, contributor at uh, NinerNoise.com. Not sure why I said the word contributor like that, but there we go. Um, and we have back with us um, uh, for his uh, second time, and hopefully not his last time, with uh, Mr. Akshaz Divadula, Divadula. Divadula. I'm going to pronounce that, that every time until I get it right. Uh, <laughs> Akshas, how you doing tonight, man? I don't know why that is so difficult for me. My my mouth will not form the letters, but there we go. <laughs> how you doing, man? I'm doing good, Robert. Excited to be back one more time, and I think I no longer count as a guest on the podcast, so, you know. Yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah, once you're once you're in for the the second time and you get into the swing, yeah, you can just be you can just be another another uh, member, key contributor of the of the team. So, um, definitely glad to glad to have you back. And um, hey, um, the Niners won a football game on Sunday, uh, so that was cool. <laughs> uh, it seems like so long ago. That was like it's Thursday night as we're recording, so that was what it was basically four days ago. Um, and the week has been long since then, but uh, th- that means it's it's bye week time, which is uh, almost smack in the middle of the 49ers season. Obviously, with a 17 game slate, there is no middle point anymore. Um, but the Niners were pretty fortunate in that they got a fairly close to middle of the season bye week, uh, which I think, given all of their injuries and everything else that's been going on, not a bad time to. Uh, to get some time off and of course they head into the bye week uh with a victory which is really nice like that's the way you want to do it right um go in with a win um it brings their record to four and four heading into the the last stretch of the year and we'll spend some time talking about the last stretch of the year a little bit later but 
Um, before we get into talking about sort of a, a little mid-season review, I don't know if you had any sort of general thoughts about the the Rams game, any good things, any bad things, anything like that that we need to talk about before we put that one aside. I mean, I think it was kind of like um, I always think it's fascinating because the 49ers play so many games that feel like microcosms of their season. And I thought this was <laughs> such a good, like, indicator of where they're at like four and four heading into Dubai that first half was like everything wrong with this team the offense would sputter at times the defense like would like show glimpses that it could be elite but then you know Stafford was dicing them up special teams had a couple like snafus at some points and you just feel like like we suck there's nothing that we can do right (laughs) and then halftime hits and then boom like defense is locking down Offense is like going crazy. Special teams is knocking out big returns. And then you're like, well, we're going to win the Super Bowl, obviously. Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, <laughs> you know, it's a it's a frustrating team to let's watch all the time because you always see the glimpses that they could legitimately be in the, I guess, below the Bills Chiefs. Like these are the two best teams in the league, second tier mm-hmm. in the NFL. But for a veteran, like star-laden team, there's so much inconsistency. It makes the game stressful to watch, but it also means you never know what you're going to get. But that, that, that's uh, very well put. I think that that's a good summary of, of how it went. It was is definitely one of those things. So um, I was telling you before we started recording, I was out out of town, actually up near um, the Chicago area uh, over the weekend, and so. We were at um, we were at various um, things that were going on where we were, and so I watched like the first half first half of the game on my phone, which was exciting, um, while being while just kind of doing other things, and that was one of those okay, what's going on? Like like why is this why is this Rams offense that's basically Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup, and everybody knows that it's Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup, and that's it. Um, able to to do anything at all. It was just really frustrating. It looked like the defense was was going to have its third down week in a row, and the offense was kind of like, mm, you know, it's it's fine. And and then all of a sudden, you know, the the Christian McCaffrey thing happens with his with his touchdown pass, his thing of beauty that it was to to Brandon Ayuk. And we're like, okay, maybe we're moving somewhere. Maybe things are moving along. And then the Rams again get the ball back and they march it down the field like you said. And and then. Just before halftime, there's that glimmer of hope, like, oh, we got we got points on the board, so maybe there's a chance, maybe there's something that that they can do, and um, and then of course the concern is the Rams are going to get the ball and do this again, and it's not going to matter. But as you noted, the defense was able to step up and make some plays, and they 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 completely flipped the script on that on that game. And as soon as the defense sort of sort of locked in, it was almost as if the rest of the team was like. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> like we're we're doing this. Okay, I, I see what's going on. Um, it, it, and it's it makes sense, right? Like when this team has been most successful this year, it's been the defense sort of leading the way and the offense doing enough more often um, to to get those wins. And when they've been bad, it's because the defense has not been able to do what they needed to do. I, I guess save for the Denver game, um, that that I think has been fairly true of, of the 49ers losses this year um, where you just look at it and you go, Oh, the defense just wasn't coming through and the offense didn't really have a chance to, 
to get going. So I was excited, obviously, to see um, the offense looking to get going. Um, it, it's, I, I mean, I, I don't know how you feel about this, but I, I'm excited, like, about the offense being able to maybe get healthy, right? Um, Trent Williams is starting to kind of get back into form, and um, Christian McCaffrey tearing it up, and we didn't even have Debo Samuel out there, and and, and missed some pieces, and you know, John Jennings out there is like the sort of third down guy, and he still managed to score 31 points. So, I mean, I I think I think 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 if this team can come out of the bye super healthy, which would be a very rare situation, <laughs> they might be in a good in a good position uh, to kind of shore up their position in the NFC West and and really get into the playoffs and make some noise. So I I I think that's that's nothing but positives, and maybe that's just recency bias, but <laughs> because two weeks ago we we got absolutely obliterated by <laughs> the Chiefs, so who knows? Yeah, I think um, you know, I think this team's ceiling is has a chance to win it all, and I think for like every team in the NFL beyond the Bills and the Chiefs, that's like the highest ceiling you can get, right? Like. If everything goes right, this team can win it all. Like, we've seen to some extent a defense in 2019, which I want to say is worse. That's my gut feeling. But I can't say that because, you know, we've had some, like, pretty bad performances here by this year's defense. They were, like, they had a 10-point lead on the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. So I think it's good to be optimistic because – I know there's this team has this talent, and it looks like the offense is clicking just enough to where you can say, yeah, you get four games of this going, they're like almost impossible to stop. My issue is that, and I think this is like a year-end thing with Kyle Shanahan's teams. There's just, <laughs> there's, I mean, injuries won, that's brutal, but there's also just like a constant lack of consistency that like, yeah. But it fundamentally like undermines like this like I mean just think about last year, right? They play really well against Dallas, like bad interception aside, but that's like really good like 49ers football. That's the kind of thing you expect them to do in the playoffs after they sneak in with a miracle win over the Rams. Then the offense is atrocious against Green Bay, but the defense does its job and special teams comes through. And then against the Rams, you can argue they probably played their best game at the playoffs against the Rams and lost. Right, and until just, they did. <laughs> exactly. It's just, I think, optimism, I agree with you. I think they're in a really good spot. I think Seattle is way more solid and steady than people expected them to be, which is like, and... I can't. I, just don't, I don't understand it. I'm going to say this like on a podcast, which means someone can pull this up against me. That's but right. If Seattle was an AFC team, I would root for them. I think there's so, there's so much fun. And it, <laughs> I hate the fact that like they're this much fun. But there's yeah. like without Russell there and the deep, like the Legion of Boom, it's just, it feels like this like underdog energy. Yeah, but yeah, Geno yeah. Smith is like, I don't know, like, if you did an MVP, like, race right now, you'd have to be top five. And they're just, like, their schedule is rough, and they're definitely going to – we're in a position where if the Niners keep pace with Seattle, then just win the game against Seattle, they win the NFC West, basically. 
So right. there's a lot of chances here, but I think they've lost most of their buffer. But I don't know. That's a lot to mm. say. I'm excited, but I've seen enough from this team to know excitement isn't always warranted. That's that's very true and very well said. Um, did that make you feel kind of gross inside when you said you wanted that you would root for the Seahawks? Because it it made me feel a little bit. I, I, you I felt know, bad for you. I, I felt I felt <laughs> so bad because I was so excited to watch them like be terrible, you know. And I mean, I like, know. I feel like that's not like a crazy thing, right? It's like, come on, you guys have been good. No, like they've been I a pain in our butts for a decade. I'm just I was just like, so excited for them to be awful this year, and then. What's going on? <laughs> I don't it's understand like it. It doesn't make two any or sense. Three games, they're like, oh, yeah, this is everything's falling apart. Then Geno Smith's playing great. Their defense is playing insane. That Their rookie corner, Tariq Woolen, is looking like a new Richard Sherman. Kenneth Walker is already like a top back in the league. It's like, come on. Really? It's not in any right. Uh, Anyway, we don't have to talk about them anymore. That's uh, that's neither here nor there. But um, yeah, I mean, I, this there will be lots of lots of intrigue for this second part of this 49ers season for sure. I mean, the other thing to note is the one thing we haven't seen yet. Obviously, they're four and four, so this probably goes without saying, but I'm, I'm going to say it anyway. Is that normally when when this team has been good. They go on some sort of extended winning streak where they win, you know, several games in a row um, over the course of 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 a couple of weeks, um, you know, three, four games in a row just to kind of get themselves in a more comfortable position. And they haven't done that yet. And so I, I guess that's what I'm I'm hoping for. And we'll, we'll go over the schedule in the second half um, that they have coming up and, and kind of see if we can find a spot where that will happen. It's it's sort of a bizarre schedule that they have left um, in the way that it's balanced and in the way that it's 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 brought out. But um, it'll be interesting to see what how what we kind of come down on that. Um, but yeah, man, uh, I, I will say one other thing about the 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 the, the point up to this point uh, in the Rams game, and that is um, Christian McCaffrey is the man, and that is that is all mm-hmm. we need to say. Uh, <laughs> he he changes everything, and it's not even yep. like the oh my God, he's a receiver who can also play, a running back who can play receiver and all that. Like, if you took that away and said you can only run the ball with Christian McCaffrey, he's still so, so good for what the Niners want to do. He changes everything just by that alone. Yeah, and I I think the reverse of that is probably true as well. If you were just like, okay, all he can do is be a slot receiver. I feel like he could be Cooper Cup like logistically like realistically mm-hmm. i think that would be in play maybe not quite the volume but he's he he certainly has the like the julian edelman type of skill set where he could just get open and and run with the ball so um yeah i'm excited to see what he's going to do especially they haven't had him out there obviously with a full complement of players with Debo samuel being out on sunday so that that's going to be it's going to be another another person for defenses to have to pay attention to and all the better I, I i say and if if that helps the offense get get moving and get more consistent then then i'm i'm ready for it mm-hmm. all right well um let's uh let's let's look back a little bit over the course of this eight games that we've seen so far so what we're going to do um is we're going to go um 
through a couple of different uh, categories. We got five categories that we're going to look at. We're going to look at uh, team MVP. Uh, we're going to look at most surprising player. We're going to look at most disappointing player. Uh, we're going to have a rookie of the year and then a defensive player of the year through um, eight games. And we'll each pick a pick a guy to fill this spot. Um, I'm going to I'm going to be uh, kind and I'm going to let you go first for each of these. So we'll start with team MVP um, and uh, let me know. What do you think? Who's the who's the MVP of the 49ers season so far? I'm going to go, and this is also going to be to give you an easy answer as well. I'm going to say the team MVP of the season is Fred Warner. And the reason why I'd say Fred, and I know you're probably going to say Bosa next time, and we got the perfect one too. I think when Warner is on, he changes this defense in a way that Bosa can as well. But every like coverage rule changes, every like defensive structure changes. His ability to like carry crossers over the middle of the field and erase slot receivers, like the team so clearly goes up and down with his play. And beyond like a couple games where he wasn't at his elite level, he's been at like the peak levels we need him to be. His pressures against the Rams were like half the reason why the Rams offense just like imploded. So I think when you get a player like Fred Warner on your defense, a player who can like change the way you can call a game, it's kind of like when you have a star corner who can take a third of the field or like a safety that can erase the entire, like any deep ball that's thrown or a star pass rusher. To do what it does. In the beginning, when everything was great, and even now, when they're trying to get back on track. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a that's a great call. I mean, he had probably one of his better games of the year against the Rams um, on Sunday, and he, it, as you say, he's a he's a difference maker in terms of when he's doing what he is a is capable of doing. Then the defense seems to to play up at a higher level and. You know, he's all pro. He's an all, a former all pro for a reason. And um, whether or not that will be something he gets uh, uh, gets to see again in his career remains to be seen. But he's certainly among the NFL's elite at the position. And I, th- I think you're right in saying that he where he goes, where he goes is where the defense goes. And I think that's a so that's like that's a good shout for sure. Um, you are correct in noting that I took uh, Nick Bosa for my team MVP. Um leads the uh the team and is tied for the lead in the nfl uh with eight and a half sacks uh through eight games remember he also missed a game so um and probably well actually a game and a half because he missed uh, the second half against uh carolina and then the whole game against uh the falcons the next week so he's played fewer quarters than most anybody else and still somehow manages to do that um while also probably being held more often than most players in the NFL. Um, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I, I, I imagine that his pressure numbers are, are significantly high. Um, I think I saw something about that today um, as I was, as I was scrolling through some, some Twitter and, and that sort of thing, that his pressure numbers continue to be high. Obviously he set a modern record for pressures in his rookie season. Um if this is the type of of numbers that we're going to see from him, I I don't see any reason why he shouldn't be in the conversation for defensive player of the year in the NFL. 
Um, and especially if, if his sack numbers continue to stay near the top of the league and the pressure numbers are continue to be high along with that, I, I think he's going to be in that conversation and um, very similar to Warner. Uh, where he goes, the defense tends to go um, when he was out against Atlanta and then when he was, you know, maybe not 100 percent and also very keyed in on uh, last week against Kansas City. You could tell that the the defense struggled. Um, you know, we can talk all, all day about whether or not uh, Kansas City uh, nullifies him in ways that are, um, you know, on the up and up. But that's another thing <laughs> for another time. Uh, but, yeah, his when he is successful. Um, the rest of the team is successful and you're seeing he, the, the craziest thing about him is I don't know, like people are starting to, to get this misnomer about Bo so that he's not a top player because he doesn't make people around him better. But I, I give you like players like Samson Ebicom and Charles Amenehu and, you know, the emergence of Drake Jackson and, and players like that who are just either, you know, backup type level players or, um, you know, rookies or something like that. And it's just like they are benefiting from his existence and they are, you know, I think we can give a lot of credit to Chris Kosarek on this too, but they're learning the ability to be around him and the, the high level technician that he is. I, th- I think he makes people better. I don't think there's any, any question about that. And that's part of what makes him so good at what he does. And, uh, I think it's, it's, it's fair to say that he is, uh, been the team's best player uh, so far through the first eight games. Any uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, well, I think you said it perfectly. He's he's one of one, and I think yeah. what what he does is so it's on a night on a like weekly basis. His individual domination is absurd. He. The fact that from his like rookie year, you could barely see that he was the reason that the defensive line could click together and became as good as it did is insane. And I mean, since since his rookie year, he's been a top five edge rusher in the league. That's insane. And I think he's become underrated in a way because much <laughs> much like most like most players who are consistently great, you just assume greatness from him. What he does isn't mind-boggling, and I think you're right. We should pay attention to it. He's leading the league in sacks, despite like being a game and a half like missing of snaps. Just yeah. domination, pure filth. Yep, absolutely, and um, probably a lot of money coming his way uh, in this offseason, so that'll be fun to, to talk about. <laughs> Another year of uh, conversations about are we going to pay our top player yet again. That's uh, four years in a row, so exciting stuff. All right, so let's uh, go ahead and move on to most surprising. Um, so what do you think? What, who's your most surprising player so far uh, for 2022? I th- all right, so for this one, I'm not going to like go – out of the box. I think it's Talano Hufanga. Like I I appreciated his energy and I thought he would be a good like role player in what he did, special teams maybe, maybe like specific packages. But 48 tackles on the year, five tackles for loss, three interceptions, including that touchdown on that pick six. That was an incredible play. He has a nose for the ball and you know, he has a lot of missed tackles, and I think that's something he'll correct over time. But 
there is an interesting idea that he misses a lot of tackles for a safety because he's in a place that like safeties just should not be able to get to. So he's only a second year player. He's pretty young. There's a lot of like personal growth left for him to become as good as I think he can be, but he's like, he's raised his own ceiling from potential starter to top safety in the league. And I think the Troy Polamalu comparisons are a little like over the top and a little too on the nose. (laughs) I was going to say really on the news, but they're, they're not wrong. He has, he has a good sense for the football and having him become a blue chip player in the secondary is invaluable for this team. So Lufanga for sure. Yeah. 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 That's a, that's a, an, another good one. Um, so I'm, I'm totally on, on board with you with, with Ufanga. actually great, great pick there. I, I just want, this is a, a slight aside. Um, is it, what what's going on next to him? Like why why are we? I mean, I get that Deshaun Gibson has played well and veteran savvy yada yada yada, but why are we messing with Jimmy Ward again? Like what's going on? Like leave the man alone, let him have his job back. I don't I don't quite understand it. Like it's weird. I I get that he's hurt and he has been hurt through most of the season, and maybe you want somebody with two hands back there. Um as your starter, but it's, it's weird that they're kind of messing with him right now, especially at this point in his career. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's something wrong with it, right? He's contract yeah. here. He had a pretty like big, but not like a good contract, but this is like the last chance he's going to get paid big money. And they're playing him at nickel because like, cause they basically can't, right. He's okay right. enough to where it's not like negligence to play him there. And they can say, you know, we need a nickel. My hope is that when Verrett comes back, if that ever happens, and fingers crossed, he is off the PUP. So, you know, it could happen. He'll go back to safety. But so long as Gibson, like, grades out well, which he has been doing, and Lenore has to play on the outside, and clearly something happened with Womack. They, yeah. Something in practice, he's, he's a special teamer right now, and maybe he'll be better. He'll get elevated in the future. Like, they're just not going to change it. And I think Jimmy Ward is good enough as a nickel to where they're like, okay, fine. Like, yeah. I guess. But he's so much. It's, a, it's, again, I think in any other year, I'm less, like, frustrated with the decision. But I think contract year, that's – you're messing with a guy's money. That's a little – there's something a little wrong with that, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I, I yeah, I kind of agree with that. And it, it feels a little bit like shades of his first couple of years in the league where everybody was calling him a bust because the they kept moving him around. Like, he's a cornerback. Oh, no, he's a nickel cornerback. Oh, no, he's a safety. Like, And it took him several years before he solidified himself as, like, shock of all shocks. They put him at the place that he played in college, and everything worked out. Like, it's like, come on, people. <laughs> this isn't hard. Um, but yeah, anyway, that was a slight aside. But I was just thinking about that when you were mentioning Hufanga. Um, obviously, Deshaun Gibson is playing well, but and this is a good problem to have for for sure. But um, I, I think in the long term, if the goal is to keep Jimmy Ward around, um, you'd rather keep him in a good mood over the last uh, <laughs> this last half of the season. Just just a thought. Um, so I'm going to go most surprising, uh, Aaron Banks, um, as the left guard. So we're going to have an offensive player. What do you know? Uh, he has been just like revelatory is the word that I'm going to use to describe Aaron 
Aaron Banks so far this this season. Um, depending on who you ask, he has not given up a sack uh, so far this season. Um, and he's just been like really solid. Like he has basically made everyone forget about Lake and Tomlinson, um, who I believe is having a little bit of a struggle uh, in New York, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and he, like all the questions about whether or not he could move well enough to be a guard on this offense, whether or not he was able to to get to all the blocks have just been completely nullified. And he is getting better and better as this, as the season goes on. And right now, I, I mean, frankly, John Lynch looks like a freaking genius for taking this guy and then saying, we don't need to use him right now. And everybody's going to chirp about how we wasted our second round draft pick last season, blah, 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 blah. But hey, <laughs> it's working. And now they're going to have a starter for maybe another 10 years at that position if they decide to keep him around or depending on how, what they're what they're thought about uh, paying a guard is maybe they just keep recycling. But it, they're, they're in good shape for the next couple of years with that position. Um, and I think it's been great to see um, him just really step up and and be really solid. Um, and, and the thing is, it hasn't mattered who's been next to him. Like, obviously, he's, he's been good with Trent Williams next to him. But when Williams was out, he was good then, too. And it just feels like he has stepped up and, and really taken on the challenge. And I think that's I think that's great. Um, so looking forward to see him to continue to get better. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not that so much that he's been like starting caliber, which is already a revelation given what people were thinking about him last year. But he is legitimately on the short list of like best left guards in the league right now with his play, which is insane if you think about like how far it's come. But he completely reworked his body and he fits the scheme perfectly. He's doing all sorts of crazy things. There's some really good breakdowns on Twitter of him stonewalling Aaron Donald. <laughs> Welcome to the club, Aaron, AB. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you and uh, you and uh, Dan Brenskill can start a, a little club of stonewalling Aaron Donald. <laughs> mm-hmm. And my my favorite thing was um, you, you forget again another aside. You forget how like while Aaron Donald is a force, he's not a like tall fellow. Um, and next to basically the entirety of the 49ers offensive line, he looks very short. Um, I know he's six feet tall, which is not short, but it's just funny because literally everybody on the 49ers offensive line is bigger than him um, in height. So it's, that's, that's hilarious to me. Um, Mike, all right. Mike so Glinchy makes him look like, <laughs> like a literal child. And that's crazy. I knew Aaron Donald was short, but, I'm taller than Aaron Donald. Oh my god. 6'9 or something like that. So he's a he's, he's insane. That's huge. Um there we go. All right. Um so we we've talked about good things. We we do have to to make a mention of a of a disappointing player. This doesn't necessarily have to be somebody who's who's performed badly uh so far this year, but just somebody that we were expecting more out of uh heading into the season and maybe it hasn't been the start that we that we thought. So that's my my prologue to that. So I I will I will go. I will step in. And unfortunately, I I have to to give my my nod to um George Kittle. This is this really makes me sad. Um I don't I don't like that I have to do this, but it's just been a slow start to the season for uh our all for our all pro tight end uh, Mr. Kittle. Um obviously missed a couple of games to start the season, and um. 
just has kind of struggled to get into the flow of of the of the season and um obviously those injuries and not being able to to really get started yet um as, as the year is, has gone on now he's starting to see an uptick in his uh in his numbers uh over the course of the last couple of weeks um after uh catching just four passes in his debut for 28 yards two for 24 against the rams in the first game five for 47 against carolina um, but his last three games have been eight catches for 83 yards against Atlanta, six for 98 against Kansas City, and then three for 39 and a touchdown um, against the Rams. So, you know, not not Kittle's best year so far. And so in that regard, um, it's definitely been um, one where you're looking and you're like, OK, um, we expect more. He's an it's an, a, a former all pro, a you know, multi time pro bowl pro bowler and. You know, he's coming off a, a 71 catch season for 910 yards last year. And so far, just 28 catches for 319 yards uh, this year um, in six games. So, I, I again, it pains me. <laughs> it pains me to, to say that George Kittle has been a little disappointing so far this year. But I think his being out for the first couple of games and then the slow ramp up that he had after that, um, it has probably led to to the the fact that the offense struggled at times early on in the season. So, um, I, again, I think he'll be okay. And as the the offense starts to round more into form in the last part of the season, he will have his games. And I, I have no doubt about that. But at this point, it, it's I, I must say that uh, unfortunately, George Kittle is my my most disappointing player this season. Womp womp. <laughs> that's a that's a good choice. I was struggling with this one for mm-hmm. I still am actually because I think it's really hard to point out players who are struggling on this team because everyone kind of has had like bad games, but almost everyone's been hurt too. Like true. Like my first thought is to be like, oh, Jimmy Ward is struggling, but he's also like playing with the cast. I don't know, like <laughs> and he's played like, like a game and a half. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm gonna go a little out there with this one okay. i'm gonna say my most disappointing player is actually a coach and that would be brian schneider oh, oh okay. i i because th- i think special teams has been the most disappointing thing for me this year which is a shame because i think the last time i was on i talked about how much i thought special teams was improving and there was like this very clear like intentional effort towards it but in the last few games we've just seen repeated like long runs, long returns. Against the Falcons, it was a huge issue. We've seen the blocked kicks. Last week was pretty good. We've seen bad decisions on returning punts out, returning kicks out. And it's been so systematic that I feel like the person you have to like point the blame towards isn't one like particular player, but it's like the guy behind the operation. So yeah. I'd say Brian Schneider. I think he can turn it around. I think special teams is one of those things where as players are getting hurt everywhere, you kind of have to pull up players who would be your core special teamers to play like regularly. Everything has a chain, like chained effect. But I think the 49ers spent money explicitly on George Odom, Oren Burks, and then in hiring Brian Schneider after firing Richard Hightower to have like a better special teams and through eight weeks i don't know if you can call it better i think you can call it different 
fine. I wouldn't say it's, <laughs> I wouldn't call it yeah, better yeah. than what they had. Before. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I think that's that's an accurate statement. I'm not sure that either any of those three players that you noted that were specifically signed to to make impacts on the special team side have been notable in that regard. Now, as you as you mentioned, Oren Burks has had to play a lot more linebacker than I think he expected um, on this team because he's basically um, for the last couple of weeks been their third linebacker, right? With Warner, um, uh, Demetrius Flanagan Fowles. And then him, he's the third, the, li- the third linebacker. That's that's it. Like Greenlaw and and Aziz Alshire have been out, um, and so Burks has, has stepped up. And so as you know, he's had to play more defense, and that's not ideal. I, I don't know about Georgia. Though. I guess I haven't noticed anything, and the safety depth has been great. Uh, there was some thought that he might end up having to start in Jimmy Ward's place early in the season, but he hasn't. So. I don't know. And Ray Ray McLeod has been up and down. He's had some good returns and not so good returns. And so, as you say, I think it might just be a systematic thing. Got to figure out what's going on with that, though, um, because uh, as the Packers well know, yeah, yeah, hate to go out of a of a playoff game just because of a, a special teams gaffe. Um, uh, interestingly enough, I saw another stat. I, all these things bring up tangents. Uh, so the Packers, who had like one of the worst uh, special team units in the NFL last year, I think it was the worst. Uh, have apparently increased their pressure uh, allowed on punting uh, <laughs> in 2022. Uh, so it has gotten worse for them as well. So that makes should make us feel a little better uh, for them. Um, that's uh, that's not so good on that. And so um, I'm, t- I'm totally with you on, on that in a lot of ways. So hopefully they can shore that up because that's one of those things that if, even if we get like neutral special teams is totally fine. Like it doesn't need to be spectacular. It just needs to be don't do anything stupid is basically where we're at at this point yeah i mean i think when the best coaches in the league bill belichick andy reed and i don't really want to call anyone the best after those two but i guess maybe oh my god so much with seattle pete carroll Mm. other and too much some of these established like premier coaches in the league you see the emphasis they place on special teams and it can win games for you we saw it last year in Green Bay, it's one of those things that it's the hidden yards and it's the hidden plays. And when they make a big deal, everyone knows it. But just against the Rams, constantly getting like 10 more yards before every drive with Ray Ray McLeod. And then the opposite where, which like Wisniewski's punts have been on another level. He's, and I know there's like he's this, been really good. There's like yeah. this weird thing with him about like leg fatigue. And he always like trails off as the season progresses. I don't know what that's what that's about. Hopefully that's not like a thing this year. But he's, he's got uh, he's got contract increase anti fatigue or something like that. <laughs> There's just it's it's one of those things where you really want to make sure that you're not messing it up. Like you said, you just have to be neutral. Anything other than that is an added benefit. Like. Obviously, yep. you're better than neutral, but you don't need it to win games. As long as you aren't losing games with special teams, you're in a good spot. And I think Amen. they can get <laughs> there, but they're not there right now. For sure. For sure. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Um, let's see. Uh, rookie of the year is next. This is a this was a harder one than I than I thought it was going to be, but it's a pretty small uh, 49ers rookie class and an even smaller list of, of players who are contributing um, on a regular basis. So what do you what do you got, Akshas, in terms of this? I think this is going to be hard to not overlap. Yeah, it will be. So um, I think. There's one name who both of us are thinking about, and I'm going to not choose him because <laughs> I'm going to try to choose someone else and then. Oh, how, how nice. But so I'll say I think Sam Womack has been really good for what he's been asked to do. Mm-hmm. I think when he played, he wasn't like terrible. I think I think Diameter Lenore just like beat him in practice, which wasn't necessarily, I don't think. It, from what I've read and what we saw like the first week, it wasn't like Womack being terrible as much as it was just, I think Lenore has really put down like a good season and, you know, you want to reward guys who are playing hard and stuff like that. He's had a couple of bad reps, but I think they've asked him to like be a willing participant in special teams and really like help the team out. And every like week we see him make a big play. He recovered the fumble two weeks ago. He had a big hit this week. I guess last week against the Rams. So, and I think there's still a lot of potential with him in the nickel. So I'll go Sam Womack. And yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure I know who you're going to (laughs) say. Yeah, I think that's a good call. I actually thought about Womack for a little bit because of those special teams contributions. Um, I think there was a little bit of like massive hype train for him during the, during the preseason because he was playing really well. Um, that kind of fell to earth pretty quickly when he was called into action, you know, in week one. And, you know, it was fine. It didn't 
go horribly. That that whole game was kind of a nightmare for for everybody. I think in a lot of ways against the Bears, but you know he's been he has to his great credit has done exactly what they've asked him to do. You know he stepped in on defense when he's been asked, but he's been a massive contributor on special teams, as you noted. Um, not to mention you didn't you didn't mention the the sort of floating in the air situation that he had where they kept the ball um, uh, in and, and kept. Who was that? Was that in the first Rams game? Um, where they, I think so. Yeah. They down the the punt on the on the on the like one foot line, um, where he like skied and kind of knocked the ball backwards, and Tabor Pecker, Pepper picked it up and downed it. And that was that was beautiful. But um, yes, I'm gonna go with probably the the rookie that has contributed the most <laughs> for the 49ers so far, and that's Drake Jackson. Um, already looking pretty solid as exactly what you would have expected him to be as a sort of late second round pick. Um, he's, he's already got, uh, what three sacks so far this season, seven tackles. Um, uh, so he's not been putting up massive numbers. You know, he's got five quarterback hits on top of, of, in, in addition to that, um, you know, he's, he, <laughs> this is interesting. Pro football reference has him, has him, uh, uh, credited with two passes, defended so far this season which is super interesting i wonder how how that worked um maybe knocking down plays balls at the line of scrimmage but um he hasn't played a ton um you know his snap percentages have been somewhere between uh, roughly 20 percent 21 percent was his low he only played 12 snaps against atlanta um he got out there for 31 snaps against carolina although you wonder if some of that is um was just game situation. Similarly, again against Kansas City, he got 32 snaps, which was 50% of the snaps. Wow, that seems super low. <laughs> I, I can't believe. Wait, I just wow, I can't believe that Kansas City only ran 64 plays in that game. That's nuts. Um, but yeah, so he's he's seen those numbers fluctuate. But the other thing that's of note um, is that he's not been a, a special teams contributor in any in any way which suggests that they have a very specific thing they want him to do you know be out go out there be a situational pass rusher opposite nick bosa in those in those perfect situations where he can just learn a particular thing and i think he's done exactly what they what they've needed him to do uh through um through eight games so far and hopefully he'll see continue to see an uptick in opportunities and um you know hopefully see those those snacks those sack numbers go up um i certainly don't think he's going to be in a conversation for like a defensive rookie of the year in the nfl just because he hasn't gotten as enough opportunities to really do that but um you never know maybe if he has a breakout second half of the year i don't know that there are a lot of defensive rookies that are like shining massively i know he's got at least as many sacks at one point he was the lead, the lead uh, the leader amongst rookies with in sacks with three. So I don't know if that still holds. Um, but considering uh, the number one overall pick uh, was a defensive lineman, that's uh, that's pretty telling <laughs> there for for old uh, Aiden Hutchinson out there in Detroit, who's on the major struggle bus so far. Yeah, um, Jackson is one of those like in three years will be how did they get him in the second round players for me, I think. It's so he has such obvious like unnatural skill that you just want Korosek to get a chance to mold him. I realized we forgot perhaps the only rookie starter mm. 
Spencer yes. Burford. Yeah, he was been... he was on the the list of of people that I was looking at too. Um, so that's also a good a good note to to make. Um, obviously, the big thing with Burford is that he's been kind of platooning with Dan Brunskill over the last couple of weeks, um, which I don't know. As you were noting with Sam Womack earlier, if that says more about Burford or more about Brunskill at this point, I, that, that it would be speculation either way. But um, I mean, it's certainly a solid has been a solid player, and the fact that he's coming from like a a very small school and he was able to step in and be a starter with any success at this point is pretty impressive, I think, from from his perspective. For sure. And I think there's I can't remember the exact quote, but there's this beautiful thing Kyle said about and Chris Forrester, one of the two or both had said about like rookie offensive linemen, which was that sometimes you want to just like let him get out of a game, kind of take a breather, understand what's going on, basically let them get more situational reps. That way they're able to like succeed more often, no longer like feel the grind of an entire game. So I feel like if obviously if Burford was playing at like Banks's level or something, they wouldn't be subbing him out. So some improvement is obviously necessary, but I don't think he's doing anything the coaches don't want him to do. And he's been solid. I mean, I completely forgot about him when I chose Womack because he's been so like, spectacularly unspectacular <laughs> just doing his job as a right guard it's like wow yeah. how can this i mean for a team that runs a scheme that does not care about the interior offensive line beyond the center they've got a pretty good young tandem who i think in a couple of years time is going to really like cement that's not the right word yeah he's really going to basically lock down the yeah the middle of the field for him. Yeah, I agreed. Um, I think that's a that's a good call. So, um, all right. So we got one more category that we're going to look at, and then what we'll do is we're going to go through the schedule quickly and and kind of just tally off some wins and losses, see what we think about where they're going to get for the rest of the season. So, um, defensive player of the year, and um, feel free to name a person that's already been named, but I, I picked a different person. But you can you can. Uh, do whatever you want. So I'll let you go. Yeah. Um, also tough given how we named Warner, Bosa, and Hufanga. Um, I'm going to say that this is going to be like really out of nowhere. This is just more like a way for me to talk about him. I think <laughs> what we've seen from the absence of Eric Armstead mm. is a really good indication of how important Eric Armstead is to this team. So I want to preface this by saying I do not think Eric Armstead is the defensive player of the year for the 49ers. <laughs> I think that's that's like Nick Bosa. I, like full stop. I would yeah. But I will say I think the interior defensive line has really struggled without him. And he's always he's been one of those players where the raw stats haven't always come to him. And there's a lot of like, oh, is he really that good? I people still have the Buckner debates which is insane to me that we're like two or three years past that. But, you know, everyone wants to keep on talking about the past. But he's important. He's he's very clearly has changed the way the defense, like, operates against the run. Him going out coincided with that, like, losing stretch. And I think there's no coincidence that both the Falcons ran roughshod over the Niners and then the Chiefs were just able to 
basically attack the edges and attack the interior as well. And there was just no concern about an interior push. So actual answer, Nick Bosa. But <laughs> unsung hero, maybe we'll put it. Um yeah. Eric Armstead. Yeah, I mean I think that's 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 a fair assessment. Um I like I like your uh, creativity in that answer. I think you could to a lesser extent probably throw Javon Kinlaw in that mix. Like the fact that he you're missing your two essentially your two starters in the in the interior of your defensive line now i don't know i think it would have been like a found money type of situation with kinlaw this year given how hurt he's been thus far in his year in his season or in his career really um but having armstead missing uh throughout the whole most of the of the season really has been been has been tough and he is a an unsung member of this defense for sure um with that same thought in mind that Nick Bosa is obviously the 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 MVP of this of the team and therefore the defensive player of the year so far um in in the interest of of having a different player I am going to uh go with Charius Mooney Ward as my defensive player of the year um has been pretty 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 good um I think outside of of the Chiefs game where he I think probably got rushed back a little faster than he might have wanted to from the injury um, where he was. I know, I know Kyle Shanahan said he was fine, but it, he, he looked a little a little not ready um, in that game. And I think they, they got him back because they knew they would need him. Um, and I imagine going up against his old team, he was like, I'm, I'm going out there if I can. So um, but other than that, he's been pretty spectacular uh, this year and definitely worth all the money that the Niners have paid for him. Um, he's played in all eight games. He's got an interception. Uh, he has given up um, just 53.3% uh, completion percentage uh, when targeted, um, just 279 yards allowed on those completions, uh, which is 6.2 yards per target, um, has not allowed any touchdowns, and allows a quarterback rating of 63.1 when uh, targeted. Um, he's had a couple of uh, pass rush <laughs> uh, blitzes as well, no sacks or anything yet, um, but has uh, got 44 com- uh, combined tackles so far this season. Um, and at least according to Pro Football Reference, has not missed a tackle yet um, through uh, eight games, which is what you which is what you want from your cornerbacks, right? If you have a a cornerback who is a, a solid tackler like that, that's it's definitely going to be helpful. So um, he's he's been he's been great, uh, and I think the the much has been said about how the Niners have missed Emmanuel Mosley, and I think that's true because it has allowed um, there to be a little bit of a, a weakness in that defensive backfield where the opposition can can attack. And they've I think they've they've certainly tried to go after Diamador Lenore and that sort of thing. And you mentioned getting Jason Brett back, and I think that will be really important if he can be, um, you know, up to his his usual standard if he can come back and do that because that will solidify the other side of the of the defensive backfield. But um, I don't think, again, outside of that Chiefs game where pretty much everybody was awful, um, <laughs> especially on defense, uh, it's it's hard to, to fault what Charvarius Ward has done through eight games in his uh, 49ers career as of, as of yet. Yeah, I totally agree. I think with all the names we've mentioned, we basically hit of the guys who are healthy, the important players for this defense. And there's a real beauty in the symmetry that you got one guy as a defensive lineman, one linebacker, one corner, one safety, a blue chip player at like each really important like level of the defense. It's really good roster construction. 
Now, if people stayed healthy, we can maybe see just how that plays out over a full year. But uh, to be a 49ers fan. And someday maybe we'll see. I hear that's a thing, that teams can stay more healthy than others. I I wouldn't know what that looks like, but I've been told. That's that's kind of where I am. (laughs) All right. So we have successfully looked back on the first eight games of the season, but there are, what, nine games left. Um, The Niners are in pretty good position. They have, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, uh, five, six home games left out of their final nine games. Um, The road games are in Mexico City and Lumen Field and at Allegiant Stadium, all on the West Coast um, in in a relatively short trip from Santa Clara. So all good news there. Um, And the the upside is that Mexico City game is expected to be pretty heavily 49ers fans in spite of it being a quote-unquote Cardinals home game. So do with that what you will. Um, So here's what we're going to do. We're going to walk through and we're going to try to come to a consensus on what we think um, the the games will be. And if we don't, no big deal. But we don't want to like spend a lot of time on this because we'll do previews of each game as we lead up to them. But let's uh, let's start with the return to uh, the the games from the bye week. It is Sunday night football. It is at Levi Stadium. It is the Los Angeles Chargers. Don't call them San Diego because they don't play there anymore. So what do we think? Um, is this a win or a loss coming out of the bye for the 49ers? I think if the Chargers were coached by not Brandon Staley, it's a loss. <laughs> but I'm going to put it as a win. I think this is one of those like either-or games for me, but there's something wrong in L.A. with the Chargers. The team like should not be in the position it is. Let me check their record real quick. But yeah, I they're like defensive. So they're four and three, which is not like terrible, but that's that they have the talent to be the best team in the league. And there's always like bad decisions that are made. Their run defense is not very good. It's been an issue every time Staley's been there. And out of the bye, healthy players, they're dealing with a lot of injuries. I'm going to call that a win. Yeah, I think I'm okay with that. Um, the, Shanahan has not been super successful coming out of buys, but I think this is a good opportunity for him to. He's got a new toy to play with, you know, and Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel should be coming back, all those sorts of things. So excited about that. Um, all right, week 11, they travel, as I mentioned, to the Estadio Azteca in Mexico City to take on the Arizona Cardinals, who gave up a home game for this. No one knows why. Um, <laughs> what do we think? Uh, win or loss against the Cardinals? Um, I'm going to say win. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure the Cardinals are any good. Yeah, that's basically the reason. <laughs> I think there's there's a real, like, they're really weird. And obviously the Niners, I think you mentioned this, actually, when we were talking about the schedule coming out, how obviously the Niners would get Arizona after D-Hop is back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know. Kind of is what it is. I think they'll be fine against Arizona. It'll be basically a home game. A lot of emotion from the crowd. And I think my gut feeling is that this is one of those runs we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Where they really build up their like their 
Yeah, I keep on forgetting the words I want to say. They build up their <laughs> buffer for the. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. Um, I should also mention this is Monday Night Football. Um, so they play Sunday night, and then the following Monday night, um, I believe they're traveling somewhere in Colorado to uh, kind of prepare themselves for the the thin air in Mexico City because um, it's at at altitude as well. So um, just like they were uh, in uh, West Virginia in between the Carolina and Atlanta games, going to prepare themselves for that. So that's good. Um, and then they get another home game uh, against the New Orleans Saints uh, at Levi Stadium on Sunday, the 27th of November. Um, so that is what uh, the post uh, post Thanksgiving game uh, weekend. Uh, I, I'm just going to say right now, I think the Saints are a weird team. Um, I'm not sure if they're any good either. And I think this is a prime opportunity, as you noted, to just keep the, the win streak going. So I, I think this is a, another win against a, a team that I don't know that I, I'm not sure if they're good or bad or just mediocre or what, but it's a weird division, <laughs> the NFC South for sure. But I, I think this is a winnable game and it's a, it's another home game and the Niners should take advantage of a team that they're probably capable of beating. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm very much on the edge because I think New Orleans has too many good players to be as weird as they are. And Agreed. there's this weird thing where the 49ers often play down to their opponents, like current position at the time. So who knows? But I think we can make it a win. Look at us being homers and stuff. All right. Um, the <laughs> string <laughs> the string of home games continues. This is so weird. This is the strangest thing I've ever seen. Um, technically, I guess there's a, a road game in the middle there, but I'm, I'm, I'm counting the, the Mexico City game as a home game. Uh, they play Sunday afternoon. Um, it's, a, it's an early time slot um, on the, in Pacific. In the, well, it's a, a late game for those of us on the East Coast, but 1 p.m. On, in uh, California. Um, Miami Dolphins come to town. Mike McDaniel uh, brings his uh, cadre of former 49ers, including Trent Turfield and Raheem Mostert, and now Jeff Wilson Jr. Um, to Levi Stadium to take on the 49ers. Um, Dolphins, another weird team. Uh, every just about every team in the NFL is weird. So this this tracks. Um, I don't know. So I, I will say this. So the next two games are between Miami. Are Miami at home and then Tampa Bay at home, both Sunday afternoon games. Um, I think they're going to lose one of those two, and I don't, I don't know which one is which. Um, but I, I can't see them winning both of those games. But because I, I, I just think something's going to happen. Like it, it could be, it could be against Miami to kind of end the win streak. It could be against Tampa. It, I could, I could believe either way. But I think there's a, at least one loss amongst those two. I'm. I, I think they're both losses. I ah. think for sure Miami is a loss. I think the type of speed Miami has is that's like that's something the 49ers are not going to be like strong against. And that's just like personnel wise. Like it has nothing to do with like Miami being this juggernaut or like unique or Mike McDaniels knowing how to attack his former team. I just think like when you have that much speed on an offense against a defense that's very much like grind you out, the amount of chunk plays Miami could get would be more than enough. And unless the 49ers offense has like hit a new gear, I don't see that's one of those games where I think we look at it and we're like, okay, this defense can't be as good as we thought it was. So that's a loss. 
for sure for me. Miami, I'm very okay. confident yeah. saying is a loss. I, I'm with. I, I I can I can go with that. Yeah, for sure. Um, the Tampa one though, I'm kind of. 50 50 on because it, it really just depends on which version of it like if tampa continues down this trajectory the way that their offense is going i i don't i'm not sure how they can beat anybody frankly like they lost the panthers they scored three points against carolina like i i, I don't know man <laughs> they're I, I know i keep saying it it's a weird team but that well frankly that's the weirdest division in football first of all um that makes no sense um but are they are they good? I don't know. I don't I don't know. They should they should be good, but I don't know if they are. Yeah, they're they're weird, but I think it's interesting because everyone wants to say it's because Tom Brady isn't Tom Brady. I don't think that's true. It's everything around Tom Brady has been kind of off. I think he's still really good. And I think more than anything, like this is most likely his final season. If he plays another one. He's certified insane. So final season, homecoming, there's a lot there. I'm not, I think, I'm not a fan of betting against Brady. And I think Tampa, I think Tampa has enough kind of like as a team to where the Niners might lose this one. I also think we were a little homerish earlier, so I kind of want to even it out a little bit. That's that's fair. That's fair. Um, and I think the 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 thing there as much as bad as as the Chargers are on defensively, especially against the run, I think Tampa definitely does a better job there. So um, that might be the the sort of Achilles heel there. So all right, I'll go with two losses in a row. That's I don't want to, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go with you there. Only because the week after that is a Thursday is their Thursday night football game against the Seattle Seahawks. Gosh, the Seahawks. Um, they travel to Seattle. They take on the Seahawks. So far, undefeated in the in the division. Um, I think it continues. Um, I, frankly, I, I think at some point Seattle's gonna gonna lose a little gear here, and I think by the time we get to Week 15, there's a good chance that they're just kind of sputtering. That's just just my thought. So, I so my hope is that you're right. <laughs> My gut feeling is that that's that's another loss, and I'm not looking at it now. It's really weird, like three wins, three losses. But I honestly think at Seattle, always tough. Their defense has been ascending. There are a lot of young pieces there, so you know that's a tough one. And I think it all depends on whether that offense is legit or not. And I I don't see a reason why, beyond like this assumption that Geno Smith is going to like stop playing like this. I don't even know if that's like something you can bank on. So I'm going to say it's a loss. Okay. I mean, my only other argument and that I'll throw out there is that they did already beat this team pretty handily, you know, in week two. So there's that to think about. Um, I don't, I don't like the loss. I don't, but I'm a, I'm gonna go with you. All right. Then uh, the Washington commanders come to town um, for uh, a Christmas Eve Saturday afternoon game. I oh, gosh, I hate this so much. Um, so they play Thursday night on the 15th of December, and then they don't play again until the 24th of December, and they have to play in the afternoon on Saturday. It's so weird. It's the Commanders. Probably not going to be Carson Wentz, so we don't have to worry about that. Um, they're kind of a weird, frisky team, but this has got to be a win, right? Yeah, this is a win. I don't even think we need to 
analyze it too much. Maybe when the time comes and we get around Christmas, the commanders have something going on, but I'm going to call it easy win. Cool. I like it. Um, two more games left. Week 17, New Year's Day. So the first game of 2023, they travel to uh, the Death Star, I mean, Allegiant Stadium, um, to take on the Las Vegas Raiders. Again, an afternoon game um, on the West Coast time, 4 o'clock out here um, on the East Coast, the Raiders. I don't, again, <laughs> I know I keep saying it. What's going on? Are the Raiders okay? I, they're probably okay, but they're obviously miles behind the rest of the AFC, but they're probably not the worst team in that division anymore, which is kind of what we expected going into the year. Um, I don't know. What do you think? I'm going to say that's a win, only because I Vegas is really weird, and until they like get it together, I refuse to believe that they'll be like a real threat. I think... They're one of those teams where it's kind of like the Chargers, but worse, where you see the pieces and you're like, this has to work. And when it doesn't, you're like, there's some, there's something missing here. And maybe it's Josh McDaniels. Maybe it's like this weird lack of cohesion. I don't know, but there's something off about the Raiders. Yeah. I'm with you. I, I also say this because every four years, the Raiders Niners game kind of like, Pick is the setup for the next four years. So <laughs> there 2014, you go. Niners lose. Then that starts the absolute hell of four years. Then they win against the Raiders, and we've had a pretty good run. So I'm going right. to – good vibes here. Hoping for I like win. it. I like it. I like it. Um, and then the Niners finish off on a date to be determined. Um, so I guess there's – there's, it could be a Saturday or a Sunday, depending on what the NFL decides to do. Is that, is that how Week 18 is working? I'm not really sure. They they change the, the the program every time. It will be a home game at Levi Stadium to close things out against the Arizona Cardinals. Um, so right now, just out of just so you know, so we have uh, what five, six, seven, eight, nine. So the the Niners are sitting at nine and seven, uh, mm-hmm. heading into the last week. Um, is that right? Yep, nine and seven according to us. I actually like to think that they're already ten and ten and six, but that's just me because um, I don't like that losing to Seattle thing. Um, but either they're they're either at nine or ten wins. Um, so they're in pretty good shape because they're four and one against the division so far. They got one division game left. Um, I think there's a pretty good chance that this game will not be scheduled in a prime position because I don't think the Cardinals will be in a mix at all. The Niners might need to win it to get in to win the division or something like that. But outside of that, I just, I don't know. I think this will just kind of get like put in a, it'll be on the West coast. So it'll be a a late game, but it will be subjugated like probably to Sunday afternoon when people don't care anymore. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. So they're going to sweep the Cardinals this year and uh, get to, 10 slash 11 wins, depending on what you think about it. I think they beat the Cardinals to clinch the division. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, I, although I'd like to think that they beat the Cardinals to like solidify a, a position because they've already won the division because this is their 11th victory, not their 10th. But I'm, <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> I'm a, look. I think if anything, we deserve like a a sweep, a division sweep. I think that would be great because inevitably something like this happens where, like, no matter what good things are happening, something random happens. Like, what was it? A couple of years ago, um, I think it was was it the Super Bowl year when they lost both the games to the Cardinals but beat. Everybody like they were only like three and three or something like that in the division. I don't remember specifically, but there was I think it was the the year they went to the Super Bowl. They lost both games at the Cardinals, even though the Cardinals were like one of the worst teams in the league um, because that's what the Cardinals do. But um, yeah. it might have been last um, year. Right. Yeah, they they lose to the Cardinals more than I feel like comfortable them losing to the Cardinals. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Um, oh, yeah, it wasn't the Super Bowl year because Jeff Wilson beat them. Yeah, in the Super Bowl. year. Thanks, Jeff Wilson. Best of luck. Best of luck to you every game except for week thirteen. Um, <laughs> all right, so we have we definitely have the team uh, with a winning record, winning double digit games, um, either ten or eleven, depending on how you feel about it. I think um, I think that feels right. I think there's also a, a situation where they they win twelve. Um, I think thirteen is a lot because that means they win all of their games for the rest of the season. Um, look, I don't think that's outside of the complete realm of possibility. But we also know this team is very inconsistent and prone to streakiness. So our if we look at this, we got three wins, three losses, three wins through the last nine games. If that is not a Kyle Shanahan football team, I don't know what is. Yeah, I mean, it kind of works out that way based off some of the teams we're seeing. Obviously, I think they get to 10 and 7, 11 and 6. I think at least one of the games I said was a loss is a win. One of the games I was like, oh, easy. Just chuck it away is a loss because obviously that'll happen because we can't have nice things. And <laughs> we, what's it called, head into the playoffs looking, why did we stress out so much? Like yeah. They got in as yeah. always. Yeah. Um, and who knows? And, and it could get really weird. Like uh, as far as like where they end up, it would we would have to do some records about where everything else. I, I think it's going to be an interesting NFC for sure. I think – you know, Philadelphia could end up winning a lot of games, but not necessarily be like the world's most convincing one seed of all time. Uh, you know, I could see a world where they have like 13 or 14 wins, but it's only because they they already got off to what are they already like seven and zero or something like that. They won so they're, already, they're eight and zero now. Oh, they're eight and zero, so they're already way ahead of like they would have to work really hard to not win 13 games at this point. Is basically kind of where we're mm-hmm. where we're at, right? So. They're in a pretty good position. It's going to be hard to catch them. I think it's pretty much like a a two. It's it's a jockeying for the two through four seeds, um, essentially because I think there's a pretty good likelihood the NFC West is a one team division this year. Um, so sure. I mean, I for, think the Cowboys for sure are going to be the first wild card, and right. honestly, I think the Giants will be the second one, and that leaves right. one other wild card for and, someone. Right. Is it going to be, you know, is it going to be the Rams? Is it going to be Seattle? Is it going to be um, one of those, one of the leftovers from the NFC South? I, I highly doubt it. I think, I think there's a likelihood, like you're saying, the NFC East gets three teams. I, I think the South probably gets two teams. And that's probably it, would be my guess. Because you just got to think the Packers are going to find a way to to not be horrible for the whole year and kind of sneak their way into the playoffs, um, even if it's as the seven seed. Um, 
And I think it's it's either that like it's going to be the Packers or or the Rams slash Seattle uh, is kind of the way I would look at this. Um, I think somebody's got to pull away in the NFC South, but who knows? Um, well, cool. Any um, actually, any final thoughts about uh, this before we wrap things up? We've been going for a while, but uh, I think this has been a good a good a good conversation for sure. Um, I guess for all of you listening. Enjoy a Sunday without 49ers football. Watch other <laughs> teams. Maybe don't watch football at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just take a, take a whole the whole day off. Enjoy yourself. Do other things. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Well, um, thanks again uh, for being here, and uh, looking forward to hearing more from you throughout the the rest of the season. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll be back when we uh, sometime next week to to preview that Chargers game in more detail, um, which. We've already predicted as a win. By the way, we can change all of these picks uh, from week to week, uh, depending on how the, the year is actually going. So we're not being held to these these numbers. I, I just threw the, the sheet away. We don't even remember what we said. So <laughs> there we go. Um, all right. Well, um, thanks again, as always, for listening to this episode of the Niner Noise podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. As always, check out NinerNoise.com for all your latest 49ers news and analysis. And be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And of course, share it with all your fellow 49er fan friends. So until next time, let's sound the horn, 49ers. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.